Hey there, I am Anna Michelle Gomo and you are welcome to the podcast. This is a safe space where I get to talk about God and how we can build our relationship with Him. On each episode, we'll be diving below the surface of the Bible to encounter God and grow. Currently, we are on a 365-day Bible challenge and it has been fantastic so far. And so I invite you to join us today because God has a word for you, but it is up to you to listen. So please stay tuned. Hey guys, welcome back to another amazing episode of the podcast. Today is day 127 of our Bible in Your Challenge, and you are so welcome once again on this amazing journey. I don't know, I feel like I sound like a broken record because all of my intros are almost exactly the same. I feel like the only thing that changes is the days. But anyways, welcome back once again. We are continuing on our journey, taking readings from the books of Second Samuels, First Chronicles, as well as praying along with Psalms. And today's readings are quite interesting. Let, let's dive in. So first of all, in Second Samuel chapter 10, it talks about um the story of king david and his relationship with the foreign king so king david probably had a relationship with king nahash of ammon and then he heard that he passed away and now his son hanan is to become the next king so just as a way of you know extending that um other hand to your neighbors okay so i get that your dad died and you're about to become king i realize this and I am mourning with you. I am with you through this trying times. You know, it was all done in good um, good mind and good heart of King David. But then unfortunately for Hanan, um, he was poorly advised and he kind of humiliated the messengers that were sent to him. So one thing I'd like to note is one of the things we're going to be seeing um, very soon is that the kind of people the kind of company that you keep around you goes a long way to determine how you think, how you react to certain situations. It actually goes a long way to determine how you live your life because the people we surround ourselves with have such a powerful influence on who we are as a person. Like there was this proverb that goes, um, show me your friends and I'll tell you who you are. Because basically we are like a combination of our friends and our families and the people that surround us, the communities that we grew up in. So in this case, you have Hanan, probably who did nothing too much about the messengers coming to meet him, other than David coming to commiserate with him. But then his advisors and the officials around him told him, okay, so I don't think King David has any good intention towards you. He's probably sending this men as spies to plan his next attack. And so he humiliates them. And these messengers weren't just mermen. They were called the mighty men. And... Okay, one thing we're always going to see, I'm getting ahead of myself, let me continue. Anyways, so he humiliates them, he humiliates these messengers, he cuts off their beards half, and then cuts off their clothes, and then David goes to meet them after he hears what happens, and then David also shows sympathy to his messengers because i mean he sent them and then they're coming back humiliated so he tells them okay just wait at jericho you don't have to come into the city so that you don't get humiliated much more like having other people see you in this way and then wait there till your beards grow and then you can come back in but then obviously the ammonites knew that they had started a war with king david and they got prepared for battle and so we were told that king david sent this mighty man to go into war against the ammonites who also bring in the syrians into the equation 
and then one thing we're always going to know that this mighty man we i think i talked about it in yesterday's episode there were men of bravery there were men of courage there were men that were not afraid to stand for what was right there were men that stood with david even when he wasn't um formerly king of all of israel and two brothers that we're going to be seeing um quite often is joab and abishai these are the nephews of david um i think we talked about um joab um killing abner just to avenge his brother's death asahel so joab and abishai they're two brothers very strong commanders of the army and they're going to be talked about a lot anyways so david sends his men to the build to the battle and they won by god's grace so one thing i can get from the story is that sometimes um extending the hand extending charity extending kindness and love to other people might not give us the reaction that we want this is not the first time that david's um good heart is being repaid for evil he pretty much adored saul he saw him as a father saw him as a mentor and saw um, replaced that with a punishment for death and almost all of his life um, David was running away from Saul but that does not that never stopped David from offering another person the same opportunity he offered Abner a commander of Saul that same opportunity he offered Mephibosheth the grandson of Saul that same opportunity and here he's offering a foreign king that same opportunity to become friends to become allies to have a good relationship it doesn't always have to be war it doesn't always have to be hatred or revenge we can live in peace and the one thing we're always going to be seeing as we move further through the story of king david is that he also would have so many instances that he extends this hand of love to other people and still gets repaid with evil. So what I'm saying in essence is that for us, that might look like the same thing. Sometimes you extend a hand of friendship, um, extend a hand of mercy and forgiveness to other people and they forgive you in return. You know, you have that good relationship with them. But other times um, people would take that for granted, which is on, on the good cases. The bad cases that people would take that and use it as an advantage to ruin you. But does this stop us from being Christians or should it stop us from um, continuing in the good works that God has called us to know? What, what it does is that it teaches us that we have been given a grace and not everyone is fortunate enough to have access to this grace. Not everyone is fortunate enough to be um, able to forgive, to be able to um, build a relationship with people that are not like you. Some people have been used to revenge. Some people have been used to hatred and anger. And when we have that kind of reaction given back to us, when we extend the hand of goodness and of peace, that shouldn't um, discourage us from chasing peace. Because what that does is that then we give them the ability to control our actions, to control our ideologies, and to control our morals. The only person that has that authority to determine what we consider as right or wrong is Jesus. He is our leader. He's our king. He's our good shepherd. Actually, today is Good Shepherd Sunday. Anyways, I think that is really significant because the good shepherd is like that standard of what we are to emulate, right? We are not to look at any other thing. We're to look at him. Jesus extended his hand of love, not just to the disciples, not just to his family or to the people that um, preach that he that listened to his gospel. 
but also to his enemies, also to the people that killed him and nailed him on the cross, also to the people that despised him even while he was suffering for hours on the cross. And that that is a very hard um, lesson to learn, but it is not impossible. So I hope and I pray by God's grace that we do not get discouraged even when we are repaid um, evil for good. We do not get discouraged in being peacemakers. We do not get discouraged in being people that pursue love, pursue peace, and pursue forgiveness. So moving on in First Chronicles. Sorry, I wanted to say Corinthians. For some reason, I always mix up the two. So moving on in First Chronicles, it is recounting the story that we have already gone through in Second Samuel which is when David wanted to transport the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem. And then you have Uzziah, oh, I think it's Uzziah. Yeah, you have Uzziah um, being struck dead by God because he touched the Ark of the Covenant. So I've said a brief, um, I, I said a brief reflection on this in the other episode that I addressed it. But like I said, the Bible is living. The Bible is real. Like you can read a particular verse so many times and each time you read it, you're always going to find something new. You're always going to find something fresh. And that is just so amazing. So anyways, today I reread this part again in First Chronicles and I got something new. And what I got is that the Ark of the Covenant, right, signified or was literally God's presence, God living with the Israelites. And it was so holy that God gave um, very specific instructions about how it was to be transported. It wasn't to be touched directly by anyone and it wasn't to be placed on anything it was to be carried on the shoulders by particular levites that were singled out for that singular purpose anyways that all of that was disobeyed completely and then we saw the con consequence of that but one thing i can take from this is that when we go to church we also get to have that same encounter like god never changes the same God that we, we are reading about literally in the Old Testament, the God that rains down fire from heaven, the God that opens up the ground, the God that made there to be complete darkness, the God that destroyed the enemies of the Israelites within minutes, is the same God we're talking about even now, even in our time. It's still the same God, and we have to acknowledge and realize that God's holiness has never changed. God's holiness was, was so holy. <laughs> For, for the lack of a better word, God's holiness was so holy that nobody was to touch it. Nobody was even to see it because even while it was being transported, it was to be covered up by clothes. So nobody was to see it physically. And we're still dealing with that same God now. The only difference is God's grace is available. So while in the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament, the people had to stay at a distance to offer their offerings and to worship God, we get to have a direct access to God but his holiness never changes and this this bugs the question how do we comport ourselves when we get to church I'm, I'm going to I'm going to spread it out in a bit but first of all when we get to church because we know that God is present in the church God is present in the Holy Eucharist God is present in the Holy Mass God is present in the Blessed Sacrament body and blood so how do we comport ourselves when we find ourselves before him before a god that is so holy a god that is so perfect the god that is so holy and so perfect i don't know for some reason it annoys me 
to the core i get it that some people might be doing it for good reason you know some people might be doing it with 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 good intentions right but it still doesn't take out from the fact that when you are in church i don't see any reason why anybody should bring out their phones for any reason to pick a call (laughs) i know i might be sounding really harsh here but I, i just gotta say this like it irks me so much when i see people um, videoing or taking pictures of their service or their worship in church and this is literally it has no boundaries in denominations I've seen it across everyone in the Christian faith like why when do we ever stop for a minute and try to imagine what it would be like to have the president of your country right sit before you and you're bringing out your phone, recording your conversation with the president. Like, I mean, first of all, even if you had that in part of your agenda with the meeting with your president, you would definitely have to ask for his permission first. And I, I really doubt if you're going to get that kind of permission because, I mean, we're talking about the president here. And then that, that is just a human being, right? That, that, that is just a president. Now we're talking about God, not just God of the physical things, not just God of earth. We're talking about God of the universe, including our solar system, including our planets, including spiritual beings, including all the invisible beings that we have no idea even exist. And then you're coming before this God. And you have the audacity to bring out your phone. (laughs) I'm really sorry. I sound very harsh, but I have to because y'all need to see. You, you, you guys need to see reasons with me because there is just no reason why that should ever happen. I don't think anybody has ever decided to convert to Christianity because of one post that you made on Instagram about you worshiping God in church. I don't think that's how conversion happens. And, and so we, we have to come to the understanding that yes, God is loving. God is mercy. God is forgiveness. God has given us such a grace that we can come before him even in our sin and pray to him and converse with him but we shouldn't take that for granted because god is also holy and god has standards for how we are to approach him in prayer and in worship and we have to respect that because one thing that the story of Isaiah taught me was that Isaiah's punishment was physical death unfortunately we don't we don't get to have that anymore i say unfortunately because i feel like if everyone dropped to dead when they um when they did not recognize the holiness of God, if everyone dropped dead when that happened, I feel like it would it would alert us more. Like we would be more alert about what we're doing and probably everybody would sit up. But unfortunately, we don't have that anymore. What we have now is a more severe punishment, which is spiritual death. Like you could literally be spiritually dying and have no clue until the end of your life where there is no coming back from that. And so we have to be very careful. Um, about how we comport ourselves in church and before God. And now bringing that to a broader range, like God is not just present only in the church, only in the buildings or the confinements of the church. God is omnipresent, meaning he's present every single place. Um, One thing I kind of visualize to help me understand this is that how how can we ever understand um, God's omnipresence? Well, I don't think there's anywhere that you can go to in this entire universe as a human being that you would not be needing oxygen like you could go into the caves you could go to the depths of the ocean you could go up in space 
you're always going to be in the presence of oxygen because you need that to survive. And I think that can give us a glimpse of the presence of God, just like oxygen is always going to be present with us wherever we are or wherever we go, as long as we're alive. God is always present with us as well. And so how do we move about our days fully knowing that God, who is so holy, is present with us? I mean, sometimes when you think about this really deeply, it might want to, it might put you at the edge of your seat because now every time you have to be doing all of the good things, you have to be doing all of the holy things, you cannot afford to be caught sleeping. And I don't think that's like how we're supposed to look at it because, I mean, God knows our hearts. He knows that, <laughs> he knows that we are so far from his standards of perfection. But what it does, what we can take from this is that, um, God's presence is with us, his holiness is with us, and this knowledge should help us guide what we do, what we say, and what we think about through our day. Because we know that at the end of our lives, we're going to give an account for how we live, and we're told that nothing is ever going to be hidden from God. Like, you can't hide anything from God. And so knowing that, that should be like a guideline. You know, when you're about to say that thing you shouldn't say, just remember that God is with you. And God is holy. When you're about to do that thing that you shouldn't do, just remember that God is with you and God is holy. So rather than put, rather than make that um, always pretend or always be on the edge of trying to do everything right, it can also give us peace and solace because God's presence is not one that brings fear or that brings doubt or pretense. It's one that brings peace and that brings self-control and that brings grace. So we can be rest assured that when we ask God for help on how to pray to him, on how to approach him in his holiness, we can be sure that he will answer and hear us. So anyways, let that be our prayer today because we are in a relationship with God who is holy. And not just that, we are also called to be as holy as God. And so when we think of that, the standards are so high and it seems very impossible. But Jesus tells us that with God, nothing is impossible. So let us pray to God today to help us um, approach him in church and throughout our day in holiness and also while extending the hand of peace to people who do not deserve it. So anyways, thank you so much for listening so far to this episode and I'll see you guys in the next one, the same time, same place. Please do not forget to share, leave a review and subscribe if you haven't and I hope that you have a splendid day.